How we doing, fitties? It's Fair Food Radio, and of course it's me, Matty Boy Whitmore, with Keris Marsden. How do? And it's episode number 90. We are venturing ever so close to the big 100. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I know it's just a number, but <laughs> I think it's going to be super satisfying when we get there. What should we do for 100? Treat ourselves to a nice meal, celebrate. No, oh, I was thinking, well, like, what, should the, <laughs> what should the episode be? Like 100, 100 tips. That'd get really boring, wouldn't uh, it? Yeah. Tip number eighty-five. Number. <laughs> It'd be a long old episode as well. <laughs> so like break it down into like a five-part series or something like that, uh, guys. But we are here and we are here to share some more valuable content with you. Oh, that's the idea, anyway. We certainly do try. Um, but guys, in this episode, we're bringing it back to um, cancer once again. Um, and I know we've been doing a fair bit of this of late, but as you know, it's it's hugely, hugely important. And the more you know, the more we go on courses, the more we listen to other people's podcasts and look at other kind of literature on online, etc. You know, it's a big, big deal, and it's something that I think you know. The, the stats for are super, super scary. So I don't, I don't think we can ever talk about it enough, to be perfectly honest with you, especially when it comes to the prevention of or doing the best you can um, if you're ever trying to treat it, um, you know, heaven forbid. So in this episode, because we done an episode a few back, didn't we, with regards to your dad? Yeah, we did. Um, who was diagnosed with kidney cancer, who, touch wood, so far is... Doing pretty well since. Yeah, I mean, yeah, how long has it been? Uh, so he had his surgery back in, when would it be now? Um, gosh, April? Yeah. Uh, it feels like a long time ago Yeah, now. so mid-April and, um, yeah, same, I'm trying to think. It's flown by. Uh, so he had his surgery back in April and what I thought I would do is, um, I just wanted to have like a more of a general chat about cancer treatment, cancer therapies. Um, one of the reasons being we saw an old friend of ours um, on a course this weekend, um, someone that we're going to, grab him and um, he's agreed to come on the podcast and chat about this uh, Daryl Edwards also known as the fitness explorer um, and he sadly lost his sister to cancer uh, this year so we were just having um, a, a real chat because when it happens to somebody close to you um, and obviously being in the health industry yourself you get involved you kind of get stuck in and he did and um, with his sister and I did um, both of my parents have now had cancer when my mum was diagnosed this would must be now gosh um, she would be going back six yeah. seven years actually now no yeah because it was prior to me it was the catalyst for me signing up to the college of naturopathic medicine wow because i remember taking to my mom to a um a talk by yester life which is I a charity that, yeah. for people who've been diagnosed with cancer on what they can do with their lifestyle um and they were running a workshop on natural um natural uh, skincare cosmetics and how to kind of detox your household from chemicals and you know cleaning mm. products as well so I took my mum to that, and that's where a lecturer from CNM was talking, and I got, um, uh, you know, had a big chat with her about where could I study to help people more, and obviously kind of driven by my mum, really, because I wanted to help her more, and she said go to CNM, and I did, and had an interview and loved it. So uh, that <laughs> was this history. that was years ago, yeah. So that was a big catalyst for me, and I couldn't really help my mum at that time. I, I offered her, in terms of nutrition, I said, we need to clean up everything, we need to go organic, I want fish to be wild, I want you to kind of look for really good quality meat. We were already all kind of paleo, um, but I'd say in terms of making that extra effort, um, and if my parents, they kind of never 
you know, focused on organic and things like that. It was it's not their generation really mm. in some ways because you know, a lot of their food was organic really. Yeah. You know, my dad's actually default, always yeah. yeah, growing his own vegetables and things as well. So um, they often would look at the price of these and especially the meat. <laughs> like, you know, my mum was always like, What? How much? Well, I never forget this one time when uh, I felt like such a snitch. But um, you had had a massive conversation with your mum because she was obviously quite rightly genuinely concerned about her and, you know, you wanted her to buck her ideas up for, for obvious reasons. And she was all like, yeah, yeah, you know, I like, totally understand. And then I think we'd gone out for the day with your mum and dad and we'd stopped off at like a Sainsbury's or whatever. And um, I noticed that your dad had basically put like a load of like organic veg, organic like salad and, you know, like free range chicken and all of that in the um, in the basket. And uh, and, I, and then your mum kind of saw and she actually I was trying to like lip ring, kind of pull the face and as if to say like what the bloody hell are you buying all that kind of stuff for and started putting it back yeah, like yeah. that and was like you know I'm not spending that much and this that and the other and I was like oh you know this isn't going to go down very well with Curious <laughs> but I thought you know I, I told you didn't Dude, I was like you know, just a, see a big Barney ensued because... I created a row <laughs> terrible such a snitch sorry Celine because she was a bit it was of a, me it was a, she was a bit of a I suppose a bit of a doubting Thomas initially and although she kind of believed in the power of food not maybe and also as a mom, she likes to buy lots of food to feed me and my brothers and our partners. And so, you know, obviously having everyone over and buying everything grass-fed organic and, you know, essentially we just all, all need to eat a little bit less of the meat probably. That would have been the solution. But just um, when when it came to her treatment, she was first offered a lumpectomy. Hers was, so hers was a breast cancer. She was offered a lumpectomy and she was offered, following that, uh, radiotherapy. And because of us living in London, she was going to go to the Royal Marsden, which is one of the best cancer hospitals in, in the UK. I think actually uh, Dara was saying in the world, that's incredible, isn't it? One of the most advanced. So we were kind of at a stage where we went with that treatment. Um, we felt it was safe. And all I did in the background was I supported her. But then I did some a few calls around to some functional medicine practitioners and said, where would you recommend? Someone in Harley Street was recommended and she went there, had some blood tests. They looked at her thyroid function and they gave her lots of vitamins and minerals to take for about three months after the radiotherapy and the, the surgery um, she, they spent their summers in Portugal so she flew out there and, and made a recovery and then I just as I kind of did my course started to add in okay I want to do some gut stuff with you I want to do some vitamins and minerals general stuff she definitely said after the radiotherapy it was kind of like a it really wiped her out I'd say for about almost like six months maybe a year um, in terms of just her energy levels and things like that and, but it did come back very very slowly with my dad, it was very different because I've been, I'd graduated, I've been practicing for a few years and I was just kind of familiar with some more options out there. So we've talked before on the podcast about there are some ketogenic interventions which are showing really promising outcomes for certain cancers, like especially brain, uh, brain cancers. And there's a book tripping over the truth that you can read. Um, and there's also lots of documentaries about it. This is kind of what I spoke to Daryl about. Um, and I, like I said, we'll get him on the podcast to talk about his experience. He kind of did some of those interventions with his sister. He, he went really deep looking at some of the research, the science and the studies. Um, and uh, sadly, she, she did pass away. And he kind of said well, the more he looked at the research, the more he felt there was actually quite a lot of misleading information. And yeah. actually, some of these kind of dietary interventions, you're so focused on wanting to go down that natural route that you completely dismiss 
you know what what's mainstream medicine doing with all this at this point in time it's almost like and and and, you know you and I have said you know the big kind of cancer charities it isn't working so great in terms of they're raising lots of money towards you know kind of aggressive medical interventions and doing not really doing as much to talk about prevention and that's that kind of like that's our real bugbear with those that for me is like big cancer charities is, is you know, should be the main focus. I mean, yeah, it's all well and good like saying, oh, you know, the, the stats on, you know, uh, cancer survivors is going up. But then it's like, well, to be fair, you know, the odds are in your favour anyway because more people are getting it. So if there's more people are getting it, it's going to increase your chances of potentially beating it, isn't it? Because there's just more people. So, and, and, and not that it's a numbers game or anything like that, but we, all, we always talk about deal with the root cause of everything. And in this case, the root cause is prevention or doing the best you can to, to try to prevent it isn't it that's not a root cause of well what i'm saying is like you know you're not instead of focusing on the cure yes so yeah, waiting yeah. until you've got well, it like, contributing factors for sure yeah, yeah so you yeah. know n- nutrition lifestyle that's yeah the, no you know, no definitely definitely i think um yeah that's absolutely the case and that that's our mine and yours kind of issue is is someone as well as kind of talking about great that people are raising money for more research and um you know kind of more advanced therapies uh, but it's not if you're not talking about what you could do on a lifestyle basis and with your nutrition. And there are some key, like, basic things that we could be doing. But also, and one thing that Daryl and I were talking about was, um, and I did a course on various different oncology treatments, both sides, and this is alternative natural approaches and the conventional, are so aggressive and almost yeah. so extreme. And, and in certain cases, that might be your only option. But in a lot of cases, some of this is actually very sadly determined by the budget of your, you know, um, the budget of your, basically your primary care trust or the kind of, you know, the, the whoever you've gone to see at that point in time. And and that was what he was saying. There were lots of kind of suggestions of treatments, but when they went away and did some research, there was different treatments and research trials and things that they could get involved in, but they had to go and find those and they had to go and write, uh, well, not write, but go and discuss them, you know, with their oncologist, with the specialist. They had to go and research um criteria for being involved or or kind of um qualifying for these treatments and so if you are out there and kind of you've gone to one person one specialist one doctor being given one treatment you really should seek second opinions and things that are going on outside of that and and speak to you know if you can afford to go and see functional medicine practitioners or trusted nutritional therapists go and talk to them as well possibly you know about kind of what would be the alternatives what would be how could I support myself Mm. but also in terms of that conventional treatment it's getting more advanced it's getting more precise we were talking about the kind of different ways that they're delivering radiation therapy to the body and rather than just kind of so my mum kind of had a whole breast you know um the the treatment they kind of blast the whole breast really um and she had kind of burns and things from it but actually now they've got these kind of ways that they can deliver almost like i think it was like tiny kind of you know torpedoes going in and then they just have a a different half-life i don't know the technicalities of it and i definitely at some point i know i'll go off and research it more but they'll only kind of destroy cells that are much more localized so again it's not having this it's not kind of bringing down your own immune defenses but but cancer structurally causes problems and with my dad's um, it, it grew pretty quickly and they said it was kind of stage one on the inside but stage three on the outside and he was one centimetre off big trouble, you know, and a different story and he, you know, they did say to him well, somebody, another surgeon actually said to him your immune system kept it in check mm. um, so there's that kind of benefit of like the immune system kind of fought but well, it, it was a pretty... I was going to say, like there's got to be something to be said for the kind of, the state of your dad's health before... 
being diagnosed. Yeah. You know what I mean? In terms of his recovery, like who knows what this situation would have been had he not, you know, embraced a, just a generally healthier lifestyle however many years ago that he did and, and I'm sure maybe there's some of you maybe thinking oh, well if he was that healthy then why did he get cancer in the first place but you know uh, I think we mentioned it in the previous episode like you know cancer is often a, a cumulative like it doesn't go like you wake up and then bang you've got cancer like yeah, it could be several but, things yeah it's so many things can contribute and who knows it could have been going on it could have been there before you know healthier change was made well, actually, you know, um, does that make sense? Yeah, or? no, 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 completely. I mean, there's a big. We know there's a big genetic component to it, and my dad has been referred to take part in the Human Genome Project, and his brother has as well, because his brother has tumors on his kidney or kind of cysts that they're like, oh, okay, this is very unusual. Yeah, well. His brother's had that for years, so both of them are being referred on to the Human Genome Project. His my my dad's mum died of um, she had multiple cancers, skin cancers, but you know she died in her nineties. And uh, but was diagnosed in her 80s and she had some bladder cancers and stuff. His sister died of a rare peritoneal cancer. So you could definitely make an argument, you know, we've kind of got the, the, the genetic potential in my family for, you know, maybe various God, different I'm risk factors. And yeah, but it just makes you, it makes you more aware. Um, what I would say is his sister... It's <laughs> Yeah, definitely. That's why I'm going on my break. Um, his sister <coughs> opted for... Hers was such a rare cancer, they just kind of said, we're going to give you a really aggressive chemo. It was obstructing her bowels. This is what I'm saying about once it develops a blood supply and grows very quickly, it's not that the cancer necessarily, um, you know... People think of it as it's kind of this growth in the body, and it does definitely, it you know, it takes over your nutrients. It does kind of, it will, it will. It's like a virus. It wants to outlive you, essentially. And it definitely, one thing Daryl was saying is it, it actually precedes the human race. He's done a lot of research on this now. It's very interesting. So it's something that is probably, he said, going to outlive us eventually, and will probably, you know, very sadly, but affect a lot more of the human race than we think. You know, we, we're quite confident we're going to stay on top of it, but his opinion on it is that we'll start to manage it better but we'll live with it for 20 30 years because it's so clever and the oncologist that he spoke to said it will literally start to metastasize or change or evolve he said we come up with treatments that we think are so advanced we think we've nailed it we understand how it's going to kind of grow and develop and, and basically suddenly cancer changes and it becomes more clever than us and he said, that's why we're not getting very far. But what we are getting good at is managing it so that you could possibly live with it for yeah. maybe 30, 40, 50 yeah. years, like a chronic disease. So kind of like heart disease and things like that, where we're coming up with interventions that allow you to live longer. Um, but he said, you know, and I, I kind of agree with this, just, just hammering the body with some of the more aggressive therapies just seems to, you know, your immune system has to be pretty robust to come back mm. from that. One thing that I wanted to kind of talk about on this podcast was what I said to Daryl was I looked at all the different options and felt so unsure about going with anything like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do juice fasting, we're gonna do yeah. ketogenic, we're gonna do I was emailed after I kind of posted on Facebook, you know, here are ten things that I think we could all do in terms of prevention, and then I got lots of emails about cannabis oil. There are probably some benefits to all of this. You know, I know it's quite um, um, interesting to kind of think of these, but I also think there's a lot of clever marketing, you know, lies. Um, there's even the awful story of, of, you know, Belle Gibson over in Australia who basically faked having 
you know, brain cancer and sold a kind of her lifestyle as the natural remedy and that it disappeared. It turns out she didn't have cancer in the first place. Is that is that been confirmed yet? Yeah, like yeah, so she's actually been taken to court, fined and huge penalties and uh, off the back of it, I mean, she made, I think, you know, millions of pounds from these claims and had an app and had, you know, I don't know what else she had in, in, in total. But um, interestingly, a lot of people are saying she was very young when she did this in her 20s, early 20s. And, you know, is it her fault or was she just misled also by some big media giants who, not media, but, you know, kind of, you know, what about people who made the app? You know, what about people who sold all of her, she her was, books? She She's was got fully aware of the fact she didn't have cancer. Like she literally made it As up. I understand it, yeah. And uh, and the profits didn't go to a charity. But she's wow. not the only one. I think there's lots of people out there doing this and there's lots of people totally in fear of what's going on in their body right now that are very vulnerable to kind of being, you know, misled and it's 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 really um and it's also what Dow was saying this is a really good point is it's distracting people from making you know kind of objective decisions about both options because actually both could work really well for mm-hmm. you and by both I mean there are some some great lifestyle and you know kind of nutrition interventions that you can do and then on the other side of it you've got um you know some conventional medicine and so surgery is one because once the cancer is growing it's the it's the obstructions a function in the body that it causes mm. you know that mean you can't detoxify and you can't get rid of waste material or you, your digestive system can't function properly that's when we're in trouble you know yeah. that's when we get build up of waste material and, and other stuff so um you know and that's when surgery is is, is helpful um but it also might be like you're saying but if that cancer so there's a big thing about the kind of sh- links with sugar and cancer. I'm not saying that, that that's the cause of your cancer, yeah. but if high insulin is, is is causing the cancer cells to grow, then you have this really aggressive surgery, remove the tumours, remove the growth, but continue with a diet that promotes high insulin. You know, you are, you are probably going to find yourself in the same situation, just a little bit further down the line, you know, so that that's kind of... Well, I think it's like, as you know, going back earlier, you know, like everything's kind of accumulative, you know, and you, you could look at that from a fat loss perspective, you know, like general health, whatever in the, you know, the classic example of, you know, one bad meal doesn't make you unhealthy and blah, blah, blah. It kind of happens over time. And I suppose like <clears throat> in this instance, you know, like because there's been some clients of yours that you've worked with um, who got fantastic results, didn't they? Like, um, uh, you know, like all their markers came down, such as like, you know, like, like blood pressure and, you know, their blood sugar stabled and la, 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 and they were saying that they'd lost weight, they felt really, really good. And then they'd maybe have like a moment of ill health and kind of throw their toys out of the pram and be like, what's the point in doing all of this if, you know, this is just going to happen to me and, and this, that and the other. And, and it's a bit like, oh, like calm down, you know, like it's, this might not necessarily be a, a direct response from what you're doing right now. You know, this could be something that was kind of in the background building up over time and maybe you know, what you did wasn't quite enough. And, you know, I'd 100% say the, the the client base that you're referring to, I would say probably younger people, I'd say definitely with men, it's much easier to kind of restore function and then they kind of get an idea of, okay, when I go away for a weekend, have a load of, have, have a load of booze and a takeaway, you know, feel rubbish back and get back on it. But the older generation... Um, this is nothing else because there's more kind of you know years and years decades and decades of damage which is a natural part of aging um it just means so everything from kind of digestion isn't necessarily as good their ability to you know there's more damage that's gone on in the body uh, you know that's what aging well, is as we mentioned on our talk on uh friday you know like you as you get older you're just generally just a bit more vulnerable 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, so you they know, can't, in general, you know. can't get away with the kind of things like sometimes extensive travel, lots of stress, um, you know, kind of even exercising, you know, high amounts of intense exercise. And, and my dad is the first one that's had to start to accept you know that he can't do what he used to do. Yeah. He likes to. He likes to try and do. He loves kettlebells. Know, he loves travel. He loves renovating property. But I've had to say to him, "You need to calm down." It's all kind of placing. Some of it's good stress, and we've all got like a level. My dad definitely enjoys a bit of stress in his life, and to not have that would be more yeah, unhealthy he, he it, for him. But definitely, some of my older clients have noticed. We'll do an intervention, they'll see improvements, and then they sometimes fall back. And it's not even necessarily something that they've done, but it can just take more, I would say sometimes, more effort, more nutritional supplements, maybe more rest, more restoration activity, but, more changes in their lifestyle than it would for somebody who's a bit younger and a bit more kind of metabolically robust. Their cells aren't as, as damaged, you know, there's kind of more, it, it just takes maybe less. But in terms of where we were kind of going with all of this, it, it's definitely... I mean, we can we can kind of talk about the key things that. that... So, <laughs> yeah, one thing I was I was just going to add up. to that was it, excuse, excuse me, myth. Um, was <laughs> you know, but you could look at it another way and say, well, actually, what did happen to you? How do we know? You know, who knows? It might have been a much worse case scenario had you not done the work and the the, the positive changes that you have made. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's what we try and you know, like you know, like Keris mentioned, when working with older clients, kind of think, well, actually, you know. This isn't to say that what we're doing is going to solve all your problems, you know, because you never know everything's completely different with every single client. But, you know, I think we need to understand that, you know, the outcome could have potentially have been far worse. Yeah, definitely. And also, it's interesting the point you made, because I had clients who will smoke. Sorry, Oh, sorry. Oh, that's interesting what you just said. Yes, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting point I made, wasn't it? <laughs> what, what? Oh, you just threw me again. I can't think what I was going to say. It was that, yeah, I have clients who are like smoke for 60 years, stop for 10, and then get really angry when there's kind of, there's vascular damage, you know, yeah. and we've got to work on that vascular damage. And I'm like, I, I kind of have to say, but you did smoke for like most of your life. Well, you, and I know you. it's frustrating how many pills you've got to take and how we're kind of now trying to manage this. And again, I work with heart disease clients who are working with cardiologists and I try where possible to work together. Mm. I'm kind of doing things like CoQ10 and, you know, some other, obviously like the kind of nutrition interventions and lower inflammation and, and ask what I want tested to look at blood you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, the quality of blood, is it, is it kind of clotting well, is it, is it, is it, you know, that kind of stuff, can I give omega-3s, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they get angry with the amount of kind of, I suppose, like faff, because, you know, look, let's take, I mean... Instead of 20 fags a day, they've got to take 20 pills. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> and I, you know, and I think that generation is very much kind of, of, of detached from mm. the function and... You know, I think with my dad, I mean, I have to say I'm really lucky because he's totally on board with all the, this. Yeah, I've said gosh, before, yeah. he reads the blogs, he's interested. Even he's been a bit overwhelmed when I've kind of said to him, you know, I want you to say this, this and this. But what I kind of wanted to share with you guys is what the route, the route that I went down was, first of all, an obvious factor with anybody who has cancer is to look at getting blood sugar under control. Um, I was pretty confident with my dad. We've done that for years now. He does blood glucose testing. He's relatively low carb. Um, he'll eat things like sweet potato, bananas and things like that. Unrefined carbohydrates. Like that is just the take the flour out, you know, really kind of fit a food styley. I'd go up for kind of, you know, uh, get the proteins in, get the healthy fats and all the carbohydrates generally are coming from low sugar fruits, legumes, maybe some sweet potatoes. It's all going to depend on activity and exercise really comes in here as oh, well. Yeah. 
So one, because it's going to improve insulin sensitivity. It means that like exercise is so cool that you can be insulin resistant. So your, your body, your cells don't listen to the hormone insulin. But when you train, especially if you weight train, um, basically your muscles go, well, well, I need some glucose now to yeah. you know replenish glycogen. So they will hoover up the glucose from the bloodstream regardless of insulin. So that's pretty cool. Someone with type 2 diabetes, if they got weight training, they would instantly see improvement in blood glucose mm-hmm. levels. Um, maybe doing that alongside something like their metformin, you know, the two things together. And then maybe once you regain that insulin sensitivity, then you don't need the metformin. There you go. So that's just something to to consider. My dad already weight trains, um, you know, so I wasn't kind of concerned about that. But definitely t- start to look at that. But the benefits of exercise on the immune system, also there's this kind of um, upregulation of certain things like natural killer cells when we train. So it is really important, two to three sessions a week. You definitely should be training. We should all be training. And also, on top so of that, moving. moving more. Yeah, so then on top of that, something that you enjoy doing, some mobility. So that could be anything from, we talk about this all the time, but dance to, you know, walking the dog, yoga, whatever it might be, something restorative. So that's, my... well, that, that's a good word, that, restorative. Because I was going to say, like, you do, you do need to find a balance, don't you? Absolutely, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, I remember reading an article some time ago about a woman who... Uh, was diagnosed with cancer. I uh, can't remember the type of cancer now, and unfortunately, she did pass away. And there was um, a huge kind of like discussion on this article, if you like, about um, oh, I like because her family members were like, oh, I don't understand. She was so fit and healthy, but then it turned out she was actually like a bit of a, a bit addicted to exercise. And, and then it was like, well, actually, like, did she have a healthy relationship with exercise? And, and I'm not saying, you know, exercise gives you cancer or, or whatever. No, but too much is going to suppress certainly been, the Yeah, there's certainly yeah, something yeah. to be said for finding that balance. Absolutely. And, and I think nowadays, um, you know, and, and I think social media is partly to blame for this, is there's not enough focus on restorative measures. And, and even restorative forms of exercise, like you said, you know. you know, uh, If it is yoga, it's got to be aggressively you know like bikram you know or... sweat like crazy for an hour and a half with the smell of smelly feet <laughs> like you know but, but you know what i mean like yeah, and, and yeah. even me Hands you know like I'm, I'm 31 years old i'm not not old by you know any stretch of the imagination but for me you know like for some years now we've been including some more restorative stuff as part of our training and not being 100 100 mile an hour all the time yeah and it's, it's funny because sometimes i've uh, something that i've been trying to do recently is even when i've got the energy to run and train i don't so i really challenge myself on that level because i you know i've said before on the podcast i was totally addicted to it i could train every day if you let me and i still could and especially now i've got wiser with like nutrition and things that I know even even more things about how to get better energy levels and performance and so I really do challenge myself to sometimes I'll wake up and um really feel up for it and go you're still gonna walk today I still train four times a week you know so I know I train enough I'm always out with the dog I'm always active I've got a stand-up desk so I've got everything covered so sometimes it's nice to actually you know, say I'm not going to do it because my default is to do too much, if yeah. anything. So, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Too much exercise is going to suppress immune function and also deplete a lot of nutrients because you're kind of just saying we're in fight or flight mode. We've got to survive and therefore nutrients get directed. And one thing that we're talking about more and more um, in our membership site and on our Facebook page is trying to get people to understand what cells need to function because every system in the body, um, you know, digestion, nervous system, um, endocrine they all need to work for you to feel energized awesome and happy 
And for those systems to work, your cells have to be able to do stuff, do function. Yeah. And the cells require so many different micronutrients and healthy fats and different types of proteins. If you don't give your body that in your nutrition, and it just never ceases to, to amaze me how much we've detached from this role. It's like, you know, we always talk about saying, you know, putting diesel in a petrol car or, you know, kind of, I don't know, if you... If you take the plug out of the wall, do you expect the kettle to boil? You don't, do you? But with our bodies, we think we can just not not understand its nutritional needs and still expect it to work. It's crazy, it's, you know, when, when we think of it like that. Yeah. And so with my dad, one of the first Probably things... Probably not the best analogy. But, but yeah, <laughs> it's I, not I, bad. I see what you're saying. <laughs> Make a salad without lettuce leaves. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like, that's one for you. That's your homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think of an analogy for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we, we, we kind of expect something to work without giving it its natural fuel uh-huh. source, without giving it its kind of cofactors, you know, what it needs to work. And uh, so with my dad, I've explained this before, the first thing I decided to do was run general blood tests to look at function and anything like nutritional deficiencies. So I was looking at his white blood cells, his red blood cells, his kidney, his liver function, blood sugar regulation, his blood lipids and his thyroid. And I had a look at all of that and it definitely flagged up some stuff. So we just kept went down a route of um, he wasn't eating around surgery. So I did some kind of um, nutritional um, supplement shakes um, until he got his appetite back and was able to eat a little bit more. So I ran organic acids tests to look at things like yeast infections and uh, something called clostridia as well. Was uh, and, and they both came up on his test. I did a gut test, which said that his kind of um, first line defense of his gut, his immune system, something known as secretory IgA, that was also low. His pancreatic enzymes were a little bit low. He had some gallstones, which came up when they were kind of scanning the kidneys. So Again, that's kind of something that we're like, maybe this is causing the problem with the pancreas, so we're kind of going to keep an eye on that if we can. So the safest thing that I could do was really focus on his digestive system and um, go in and kind of restore function with digestive enzymes, some ox bile, make sure he could break down his food and break down his healthy fats, and also restore the kind of barrier. So to get his secretory IJ up, which is kind of the first line defense in, in um, in the gut in terms of your immune defense, um, and again, this is kind of measured in a stool, um, a stool test known as the GI map, which is going to be uh, discussed in a previous podcast. You'll, you guys will have heard about that, that one from um, In Vivo Clinical with Humphrey. Um, to elevate his secretory IgA, I use things like Saccharomyces boulardii, which is um, a beneficial yeast. I used a formula, um, a powder formula, which has things like MSM, aloe vera, um, glutamine and N-acetylglycosamine. And they're kind of what the, the gut wall and all the kind of mucosal cells are made of. And they secrete this secretory IgA, which kind of helps, again, just just basically it's your first line defense over right. the immune system. So I wanted to make sure his immune system could work. And these um, supplements generally are kind of all just about natural support for the digestive system. And they could be used, some of them, if you're having things like chemotherapy, radiotherapy as well. You should absolutely talk to your oncologist and make sure they're happy but these treatments can be quite aggressive on the gut, especially chemotherapy, and cause some um, what we might call leaky gut, but also gut permeability. So even if you can't use it during treatment, speak to your oncologist about using it afterwards. Uh, if you want to go through food, bone broths are a fantastic source. And, and you know, t- kind of just drinking aloe vera juice like pucker that's got nothing else in it uh, would be some other options. And chewing on like the like you do. So cooking up, you know, meat with all the in with, meat on the bone and then having all the kind of gelatinous bits of the meat so like chewing on the bone and having yeah. all the, the kind of collagen and sinew and stuff around the bone that's what the gut's made of so that's why chicken soup for the soul 
Love is, it. Uh, is, is used when you're when you're sick. Um, the other thing I did with my dad then was went in with some, uh, I waited until a good kind of four to six weeks after his surgery, built him up with all these kind of multivitamins, minerals, and just things like magnesium and zinc. Um, some I used the gut support around that time. But once I felt he was better, I went in with some antimicrobials to d- deal with the yeast and the clostridium. And I used some things like garlic and oregano, something called biocidin. And some of it I did, um, some of his stuff I've done liposomally, which is like in a, encapsulated in fat so I know that it's going to be kind of delivered to the cell much more effectively um so it it was quite expensive but for my dad he was he he kind of um he had a lucky escape in that they said no chemo or radio um was recommended at this point of time so he was so relieved he was like Mm. let's give me whatever it takes to you know bring my immune system up Um, but again though speaking of chemo and radiotherapy and as you mentioned you know both you know you know especially chemo being incredibly uh, aggressive on the body you know, and it, 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 again, just a, just highlights how important it is to kind of have the the strong foundations in place in the first place. Because we know, as Keris mentioned, you know, eating healthy foods, exercising, never smoking and drinking, and all of that does not guarantee you are not going to get cancer. Um, however, it will certainly put you in a better position to potentially deal with any treatments that you may need. Um, I mean, because I mean, you see Absolutely. how sick some people get when they yeah, have chemo. Yeah. You know, they get so so sick because it is such an aggressive treatment. Um, you know, as Keris mentioned as well, in, 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 on many occasions it is required. So you've got to make sure that your body's almost got the the durability, if yeah. you like, to to be able to, to to come through the other side. Fingers crossed. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's why. Um, you know, with my dad, I kind of said, you know, another safe thing for him to do would be just start like having um, vegetable uh, smoothies in the day. So he's been kind of having things like celery and ginger and lime and lemon. And, uh, you know, I, I've got him broccoli sprouts and things like that to have. Um, again, the, the, the cruciferous vegetables are really rich in, in kind of anti-cancer agents. So, we, you know, I said to him just more, he loves bok choy, he eats bok choy like apples. So I said, just increase all, give him a list and said, just all your cruciferous veg needs to come up. I brought him a huge stack of organic herbs, uh, rosemary, thyme, mixed herbs. uh, And said, just these go on everything, on all of your salads, all of your roasted vegetables, you know, and and where possible, kind of, they've gone down the route of having more fish and seafood, um, some more vegetarian meals, so legumes and things as well. Um, and using actually uh, spirulina in his shakes, uh, we did a bit of research and that just seemed to be quite nutrient dense, really good for B vitamins and stuff. So um, I also did a little bit of research on mushrooms, uh, not the magic kind, <laughs> but things like reishi. Uh, there's various different types. Um, a wonderful website is Haifas, that's H-I-F-A-S D-E, and Terra, T-E-R-R-A, Haifas de Terra. Um, and they have some really nice formulas of different mushrooms and they have some to support uh, cancer treatments, so chemotherapy, because turkey tail is one that can actually help um, stimulate the immune system. So almost like working with the chemotherapy as well or post-chemotherapy. Again, you would speak to your whoever, you know, specialist you're working with, make sure they're happy. Um, but we used, um, they've got one that's kind of five different mushrooms. So we just used that and also some astragalus and echinacea to try and stimulate his um uh kind of 
Th1 side of his immune system, which can help in terms of making the cells a little bit more, you know, just stronger and robust. You know, kind of really supporting the immune system, and in, when it comes to things like viruses and cancer, that that can be really helpful. Um, what I then did was, after a couple of months, reran all the blood tests. Um, I haven't redone some of the, the organic acids and stool tests to see where we are with the yeast and anything else. Um, a big thing that we are debating because all of these things, like the infections. And even the cancer itself, um, I've spoken to people like Dr. Brian Walsh, I've spoken to Tommy Wood, I've spoken to Emma Myhill, and, you know, even speaking to Dowell, I said, God, me and my dad just kind of want to know the why, we're big like, why, why, you know, and, and all of them have answered the same question, you will, you may never know the why, but it can be immensely frustrating, and, and we may never know, but we're kind of looking, it's actually, my answer to the whole thing is, <laughs> I think it's accumulative. <laughs> because I think it can be several things and a big thing that we're debating is my dad has a load of mercury fillings um, after a car crash I can't remember if that mentioned that last time car crash when he was 17 all his teeth fell out after a head injury and they just replaced it with a ton of mercury fillings and he's really nervous about getting those removed I'm nervous I don't want to be the one to make the decision um, but more and more some of these things um, like the yeast infections and he's had a bit of SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, can be related to heavy metals. So maybe it is with age that his body isn't kind of, you know, standing up to the, the presence of heavy metals in his yeah. body. Um, I know some cancer practitioners... But aren't there... Um, um, say the, well, I was going to say, the first thing they say is get rid of your... Get the mercury out of the body. Aren't there like kind of like special, like more natural dentists, if you will? Yeah. Uh, that 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 kind of specialise a bit more in that and replacing them with... Um, ceramic. Yeah. Ceramic? Yeah, I ceramic. So. <clears throat> I mean, 100%, you go to what's uh, referred to as sometimes like a, a holistic dentist, mercury-free dentist, natural dentist, but when you have these removed, um, you really want them saying, okay, the week before, you're going to take some chelating agents. So chlorella is one that's used often. Maybe kind of some phase two liver support, so they might give you a special kind of um, liver detox formula, maybe like a powdered drink or something. There's some really good ones out there. They might give you something like glutathione, which is a master antioxidant that really supports, again, kind of uh, phase two liver detoxification. So that when, if any metals do get into the body, you've kind of, you're there ready to, to, to pounce. To pounce. Uh, and then same thing afterwards. And they should be wearing masks and, you know, you know and some people do intravenous vitamin C um, either side of the um, removal of the mercury. And we found some in London, but Germany seems to be uh, way ahead of the game with all yeah. of this. So we're Put about a weekend we're kind of debating, do we all go there? Because I've got one, my mum's got one, and my dad's got several. So we're kind of debating, do we go there and um, look at all of that? I can um, you know, look up all the kind of... Uh, Quicksilver is one of the companies in America who have some fantastic kind of chelating protocols that you can do. Um, it's very dangerous, and I think I'm personally going to try and find someone who really specialises in this because you know mercury can be... you know. Well, it can be deadly, so oh, yeah. you really have to know what you're doing. And my dad is is kind of you know it's got to be him that makes that decision. Um, there are tests that we can do to look at whether the heavy metals are having an impact. Another thing that it could be is mold, um, which mold could have um, again kind of caused some of these gut infections, like the you know the costria and the um, uh, yeast infections. They actually go uh, abroad and live in Portugal, and whilst it's beautiful out there. In the winter, is quite, um, I'd say, kind of, you know, damp. It's not centrally heated, yeah, so, you know. Musky. Musky. So that could have been one of the, the kind of factors. Um, and again, so it's worth, another thing I'm going to kind of get them to look into is, is how they can check 
you know, their environments as they move around, uh, whether it's kind of mould and damp because mm. they need to, to again, just kind of protect themselves well, I mean, from that. you know, I'm sure we've mentioned this podcast before, but I'll never forget that blinking flat we rented in Kennington from, oh, from a rogue landlord. But we won't go into that. <laughs> um, we had the worst oh, health my, symptoms. I nearly... Mold, I mean, the mould was terrible because we were aware, we, we became aware of some of the mould in one corner of the room. But then after however many months, I just happened to look down the side of the bed because the bed was pushed right up against the wall, wasn't it? And I think I'd like reached down to maybe like know, grab an eye mask or something that had gone down it. And I was like, oh my Lord. And the mould literally right next to where my head was, you know, and, and then behind my head. And, and, and I couldn't, you know, before then I was a bit like, why do I feel this way? And I kept having... Almost, I had like flu-like symptoms every yeah, day, yeah, didn't I? Same. I had but, the worst chest and I, you infection. know, I kept breaking out in like a rash, and <laughs> we were running like a, a company at this point in time where we were just kind of branching out into nutrition, and both of us were so ill. We in fact, if it wasn't, I'd actually just gone under bioseeker um, with Charles Pollock at that point in time, and if it wasn't for I think some of the things I learned there and came back and started starters on a good multivitamin starters on really high strength probiotics and stuff i think we've been in bigger trouble yeah. than we we but ended it, up in I, I truly believe it was like the, the you know the cause of you know a lot a lot of issues we were having yeah and i, I think just... if you have um for you guys out there listening if you have if you do things like antimicrobials and antibiotics to treat your SIBO or your yeast infections um gut stuff and it all just keeps coming back it could be worth exploring that angle of kind of you know molding the environment and you know, the other thing, the other side of it is we've had a long uh, talk to my mum and dad. They've always been a bit more aware of this since my mum, but looking at environmental carcinogens generally. So that's everything from, we've kind of mentioned uh, pollution before. Uh, one thing I did with my dad was something called uh, phospholipid therapy because he had high levels of kind of, um, uh, you know, basically kind of diesel, byproducts of diesel fumes and airplane fumes and all sorts in his in his urine when we tested him. So uh, phospholipid therapy is, again, just kind of helping to restore the, the membrane of your cell, which is made up of different fats. Um, so you could do it by taking loads and loads of, of egg yolks, maybe raw egg yolks. Um, but we took a, well, I recommend to my dad a kind of supplement called NT Factor, which is kind of uh, recommended for people who live in these highly polluted environments that might have damage to the kind of mitochondria of their cell because things can't get in and out which is part of that kind of health having a healthy membrane so obviously my dad has avocado olive oils egg yolks um, but we just did some of that phospholipid therapy just you know just on coq10 and things like that supported his mitochondria because again if the mitochondria can't work and shut down the cell can't work and that's when we become susceptible to infection or again kind of you know all sorts of kind of you know health issues so just going back to where we've gone with it, I retested his uh, blood levels and this time I went in a little bit more intensely and did red blood cell vitamins and minerals, which um, I've never done before because most people, it's a lot of money and uh, yeah. with most people we tend to kind of go off, okay, I feel better for that. It'd be wonderful if we could do this. And I think as functional medicine gets more popular in the UK, um, I was speaking to some doctors actually and some labs uh, at a recent event and they were all trying to come forward with kind of like lab portals where you could just go and get things like because it'd be amazing for me to say to clients let's do all of this and then test your red blood cell magnesium your red blood cell b12 and folate because red blood cells are hanging around for kind of 120 days so it's a marker of you know kind of what's been going on in your body basically so it's really much more accurate than just getting serum b12 or serum folate i mean that they're not bad you know but but really if you ate steak the night before or, you know, it's only yeah, yeah. kind of what's just happened really yeah. recently. 
so with my dad, I did, and and my mum. My mum's kind of along for the ride. <laughs> so she's a, she's actually again because she's doing all of this with him and some of the tests. And one thing she said is, I've got them kind of eating two to three good meals a day, and they do a smoothie with lots of vegetables in and and some um, you know green powders. I've gone with a green powder, uh, which doesn't have any um, uh, adapter gens in. I didn't realize some of them have herbs in a lot of the green powders. Um, I've kind of stayed away from some of that because I don't want to kind of put too much in. Mm. So their green powder is just, it's a Terra Nova one that just has kale and broccoli. So it's just veg, really, in it. Not the kind of ones that some have got some other yeah. uh, immune stimulants in them. But I suppose what what you're highlighting here is obviously, you know, the body's needs for a yeah, nice yeah, big yeah. variety of... Well, what I was going to say was that I did, uh, I wanted to check that their cells had all the nutrients they need to function. So when I ran ran the red blood cell vitamin mineral profiles, um, they were all up to date. So they were all good. If anything, B vitamins were a bit too high. So uh, I kind of brought them off the multivitamin or brought it down a little bit. And their manganese was, the only one that was low was manganese, only slightly low. So I kind of said, here's a list of manganese foods. And they were both a bit dehydrated actually on the test as well, which is... When I actually think about it, they don't drink. They kind of have a pint of water, but they're, I mean, you know, mums and dads are always busy. They're always pottering yeah. around. So Which they're not fair, like us at a desk we, where we, we drink the water. There's definitely a direct link, I think, to being, between being busy and how much water you consume. Yeah, definitely. Like, we're the same, you know. The busier we are, then we're like, oh, gosh, I haven't drinking a thing. Drinking? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't drinking. <laughs> I haven't drinking a thing. Drunken a thing. There you go. <laughs> I need to drink some water. <laughs> so... So these are the kind of things that I just showed them and said, you know, you need to up your intake. And I've said to them, actually add in like a bit of salt to their water, um, a little bit of like lime, lemon juice, or maybe even a drop of orange juice so that the glucose helps to hydrate them a little bit more, especially when they're out in Portugal. It's hotter and they're probably, you know, uh, sweating. So, um, and yeah, so so it was really helpful. So when I looked at the blood test, I said, right, we've definitely got that covered. We can scale back on that kind of supplements now. Um, what I was about to say about my mum was my mum's dropping weight. And a lot of people, if you know my mum, she looks incredibly slim, but she had, after having um, a bodge root canal a few years ago, um, she hadn't been able to do any exercise and was kind of in a lot of pain and Mm. eating chocolate to cope. Uh, That's where I get it from. And so she'd stopped training and kind of gained, it was strange, she just gained weight around the middle, nowhere else did she, and that's the kind of dangerous, you know, visceral fat. Um, and and even she said, gosh, I've gained a stone, and it's all around my waist, nowhere else. And yeah. she is of that age, she's post-menopause, so it would t- typically probably go there. Um, and that's all come off, so she's uh, lost all of her weight, and she said, gosh, I never thought I'd do it through eating more, but this is something that I've been talking to her about for years. <laughs> you know, she's of that generation where they ate more and, and you know, to lose weight. But she's, um, yes. Yeah. She's ate more in this case. No, but you said she's a bad generation. Oh, sorry, yeah, they eat eat less. Yeah, Yeah, they're obsessed with eating less. But she eats uh, three meals a day now. And she said, gosh, I never thought that eating more would actually allow me to lose weight like this and and kind of tone up. And she's she's been a a revelation for her. So she's very happy about that. Um, But yeah, just back to... So all I did in the end was support that. And I've also added in just some amino acids... Uh, liver support basically for them because until we kind of get to the bottom of the you know is it heavy metals is it kind of mycotoxins like mold um and in a way I've had to step back a little bit because I don't also want to be this person that stands over them all the time saying have you done this have you done that um you know I just you want the best for somebody but you can become a stress to them 
um, if you keep reminding yeah, them they want to go sure. away now and have a summer and enjoy their life. Yeah. And I've kind of I've looked at the test results and said, right, okay, we'll leave it there. Um, you know, let's let them go away for the summer and enjoy, you know, recover, restore, be by the sea, which would be amazing. Um, you know, they do their beach walks and stuff. And then well, I think as well, like, you know, <clears throat> in the same, the same that applies to fat loss, health in general, or, you know, heaven forbid, if you have been diagnosed with cancer or, you know, another, another kind of disease, like you shouldn't have to scare people to make change you know they need to want to make change yeah regardless of what it is they're trying to achieve if it is health related fatness related or you know uh you know fighting a disease related whatever you know they need to want to do it otherwise a you're going to end up being a pain in the ass to yeah, them yeah. they're going to get stressed they're going to get wound up it's going to wind you up yeah. if you're kind of feeling like you're constantly trying to nag someone to make change yeah and you know it's probably going to add to the to the problem, they need to want it themselves. And I think that's a huge thing. Yeah, but it also, I mean, I, I did something for my mum and dad that would probably overwhelm a lot of people. Yeah. But because I'm kind of like an in-house nutritionist in yeah. a lot of ways, the they have moved out of London and they've moved down the road from us in Kent, which is amazing. So they're out in the countryside, which I'm really, really pleased about. Yeah. Just the better, better environment for them in terms of, you know, air. Um, but yeah, <laughs> air. Yeah. One thing I was going to say as well is we looked at things like hyperbaric oxygen chambers and things like that. But at this point in time, I think my 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 next kind of plan for them is to retest in three months time. So the blood tests I'm kind of trying to run every three months, just like their oncologist is trying to scan every three months. And, you know, I said to Daryl, we talked yesterday and I said, isn't it scary? Because it just becomes this thing now that, you know, we've done the best that we could do, I think but we have no control over no. what this really is and we know so little about the body itself um so again we've just done everything possible <clears throat> and kind of avoided anything too extreme um because again you know you just don't want to feel that you you re- were responsible for anything well i think that's a major major thing because i think you know if, if ever you are in that position i think it is important that you explore your options you know yeah. don't necessarily go with the first thing that's you know offered to you or whatever it may be and there's certainly nothing wrong with doing your research but you know work with a specialist wherever you can you know make that investment you know because it'll always be worth your while but it's like we were having this conversation earlier as well weren't we like you know we on social media you know you see all these conversations and these debates certainly like in some of the groups that we're in where they talk about like anti-cancer cancer prevention curing cancer and whatever and there are some people that just put these really simple things out there hey, cure cancer ketogenic diet you know like simple you know yeah, just yeah. just it's do that it's been marketed and, as a cure which is ter- and terrible it's yeah. insane yeah you know and, and, and there's all these absolutes kind of flying around like it's just like oh you know i saw one thread where someone's like oh you know so uh you know like my my mum or whatever you know lost their their battle with cancer and then people start coming back with all these things that oh you know you should have done this you know this is what they should have done the doctor shouldn't have done this and these people aren't doctors you know these people aren't really you know no one you're qualified to be making such statements and we said earlier it's like until you're in that position you know no one can say what they will do no. or what they might do or whatever you know, and, and until you're in that situation, you really, honestly, you you can't say a thing. And, and I think, no. you know, massive, you know, fair play to doctors who do make these decisions on a on a daily basis. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's like I said to, to Kerius earlier, you know, doctor does something and saves somebody's life, you know, because they followed that doctor's advice and the doctor's a hero. 
you know, but if something goes wrong, heaven forbid, you know, people start pointing the finger, you know, and, and it's, it's hard, it is hard. And I think, you know, for a doctor to be able to take that responsibility and be able to absorb, you know, you know, it's, it's, I suppose the highs and the lows, if you will, of being in that profession, you know, it's really, really hard. So. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have come away, <clears throat> you know, kind of, it's funny because my dad's specialist had kind of no time for me whatsoever and was like, we're just getting this kidney out, you know, you were very lucky to have found it on this, this cancer antigen marker that I tested because it shouldn't, it's nothing to do with kidney function. Interestingly, that's back down uh, pretty much within the reference range now, having removed the kidney. Yeah. So, Who okay, knows? maybe it wasn't, but it, it, it's back down. But, you know, and we can use that maybe um, as something that just seems to elevate in my dad in terms of measuring what's going on. So it kind of gives us... My, my bugbear with his conventional treatment was so... Um, so little with him and my mum when they were both having um, my dad had high calprotectin a few years ago so that's kind of inflammatory marker in the gut in the bowel and my mum had some um, trouble swallowing so that's kind of esophageal and they did lots of cameras but they didn't do blood tests they didn't do go further with kind of you know inflammatory markers or anything so I was doing it all in the background and I kind of think this is where it gets a bit disjointed for me because whilst there's something going on here the the inflammation you know I know you're kind of they they kind of look locally and and for me it wasn't enough that they weren't running Mm. blood tests once my dad's cancer was found of course they ran blood tests they were looking at kidney function everything quite in detail but I suppose you know from a preventative measure I kind of thought it's just because they're massively under-resourced and don't have the time or the money you know it's it is really sad but one thing um I just want to leave you guys with as listeners is um loads of different websites that you can kind of go on and get lists of questions um i've kind of gone through loads like yes to life um cancer active and got a lot of questions that if anybody that i know gets diagnosed i say right here's some questions for you to ask and it's all about the treatments that are available it's all about the outcome predicted outcome of the treatments and these are when you go to these appointments take somebody with you because you know i know personally i will just be in shock I'll be taking in about 20% of the information that's told yeah. to me. So take someone else to write notes. Um, and I often say this, I never let my mum and dad go to any appointments on their own. Um, you know, they actually kind of insist on going on their own and, and, and say to each other, I've got on my own coast, it's just worrying too much. But you never know what information is going to be delivered in the appointment for a start, yeah. you know, and then you don't know how much you're going to take in. So I always go along and, and, and kind of ask questions, take notes. So if you are going to appointments take somebody with you but have these questions you know have questions about even ask about nutrition my dad got told don't smoke don't drink exercise a little bit more and he said you know he didn't tell my dad to lose weight but when my dad said what are the factors that would contribute to kidney cancer he said excessive alcohol smoking being overweight and sedentary lifestyles and that's why my dad was like well well (laughs) don't do any of them you know doesn't drunk for years really so but just uh, going back to researching your options, you can actually go and start to look at um, the best uh, specialist oncologists for your cancer. Right. And it's your right via NHS to go and pick who you want. So my dad did that. There was a waiting list for one of the people that he wanted, but his number two stepped in and said, I can do it. But he met with both the specialists. And that's wonderful that we have that option. But lots of people don't know and just go with what's offered. Um, hopefully when Daryl comes on, he'll talk about how they kind of pushed to, to get to the various people that they wanted to see. There's big databases online of NHS specialists. So you can read through their CV and you can decide. And if you can't get there through NHS, you know, I fully think it's worth paying private, you know. And, and if, if 
whatever it is, GoFundMe, whatever, you know, how you get that money together, you know, I, I really think go and try and see the best person with the most knowledge about your cancer, your treatment, and, you know, get yeah. some get some answers 100%. to your questions. So that's it. We said we were going to do a quick half hour. We've done an hour. Yeah. <laughs> what you said in hour was a bit like, yeah. 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 <laughs> of course we will, Kerry. <laughs> uh, well, guys, yeah, as always, hope you enjoyed. Um, please, please, please get in touch with any questions whatsoever, info at fitfood.com. And uh, yeah, we will see you in episode 91. Uh, Won't we, Keris? We will indeed. Have an awesome day, guys, wherever you are. And uh, oh, yeah, don't forget to leave a review on uh, iTunes if you haven't done so already. Or subscribe to the podcast, share with a friend. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.